And welcome to the mid-season recap of the 49er Way podcast. We are already headed into week 9 of the 2020 NFL season, and although it still feels like the season just began, there is a lot to recap thus far at the midway point. On today's episode, we will be joined by guest Zach S, and we will break down the 49er season thus far, Jimmy Garoppolo drama, 49er trades from the trade deadline, mid-season awards for the Niners and the rest of the NFL, and as well as we will analyze which playoff team is a contender or a pretender at the midway point. And of course, as always, don't forget to give the 49er way a follow on Instagram for more 49ers news and analysis. And we will now welcome in our guest for today's episode, Zach S. What's going on, man? How have you been? Hey, I'm good, bro. How are you? It's good to be back. Oh, not too much, man. Great to have you back on and well, let's just cut right to it and let's get right into it. So the Niners so far at the halfway point sit at 4-4 four and four at the 500 mark. They've looked really good at times. They've looked really bad at times. What are some of your initial thoughts so far on, on the Niners season? Uh, it's been a shaky season, you know, with all the injuries. It's so hard uh, to put out uh, good players. Uh, when you have 13 people on IR, I mean, but that being said, we're still four and four, you know, Shanahan's a wizard. His offense is awesome. The defense, even with all the injuries has stood up when we needed them to from time to time. So at four and four and last in this crazy division, you know, it's been an all right start, I would say. Oh, hundred percent. I completely agree with that. I think, some things you kind of have to look at is obviously when you look back to 2018, when so many guys went down early in the season as well. I mean, we were sitting at two and five or two and six at this point. And you look now at four and four, I think that really has to show you that this is still a team that is the defending NFC champions from last year. And even though we're banged up as ever, we're, we're still four and four somehow, some way. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It, it, looking at the depth chart, it's just, it's so sad seeing all of these people on IR and just seeing, you know, who's starting. Yeah, but at least people are getting an opportunity. Oh, 100%. I mean, that's been the biggest thing so far. But I think the Niners have had so many injuries since Kyle Shanahan has taken over as head coach that a lot of these guys that are stepping in, they've, they've been here before. So this is not, you know, something new. And it's not like they're, going mm-hmm. uncharted territory or anything but yeah it's it has been crazy so let's get to some of the moves that have happened within the last 24 hours or so and we'll start with Quan Alexander getting traded to the New Orleans Saints for a fifth round pick and Kiko Alonso what are your thoughts on that I I like the move I mean it, it's not a big move in my mind I think you know you have Warner and Greenlaw who's stepped into a Alexander's role very well, and they've uh, produced a lot together. I like uh, Aziz Alshir as, uh, you know, the third linebacker. So I'm not too upset losing Kwan Alexander. And I like the trade because, you know, you get you get the fifth round pick, the draft capital, but also you get rid of his $23 million off the cap. That's going to be huge going into free agency, trying to sign some of our uh, young guys and also to uh, add to our team. 100%. I really couldn't agree more with that. And I think the part that really gets to, I'd say, a lot of the fan base and especially the coaching staff and a lot of the players is Quan Alexander was just such a great leader inside the locker room. And I think that's really why it, it was a more harder decision to move on from him now than it is before. But I completely agree with you in the way that it really is not a bad decision what the 49ers did because they need to clean cap space and Quan Alexander is exactly that they'll Dre Greenlaw has been playing great Fred Warner's been great Aziz Alshire has been fantastic I personally really like him but Quan Alexander has been getting hurt a lot we're paying him a lot I I think it was a move that had to be made whether a move that I think the Niners should have or haven't I think it was a move that they they had to make to clear cap space 
Yeah, it hurts that you lose him in the locker room, as uh, it's been said that he's been a big vocal voice. But you know what? Uh, you you got to make that move financially, and it was the right decision. Hundred percent. I really could not agree with that. Um, so today, the Niners went out and released Dante Pettis and Julian Taylor. I personally, I think we all kind of saw the Dante Pettis thing coming. So I think that really wasn't, you know, much of a surprise or anything. But the Julian Taylor one surprised me. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I really liked Julian Taylor at the start of last year, but his injury was bad and it it was only getting worse. So it was just another uh, dead money, dead roster space kind of that they were probably going to let him go after the season anyways, after finding some more defensive line help because of all of our injuries. So I think he was going to be the odd man out. So they just bit the bullet now. 100%. I mean, I was kind of surprised, to be honest, to see that happen when it did, because the Niners need a lot of help on that D line. So I was a little shocked when I saw it at first. But I mean, I guess now, what are you going to do? But I was definitely a little surprised at first because the Niners pass rush has just been absolutely brutal so far. Yeah, it has been brutal so far. They they haven't really generated uh, much. It hurts. You know, Nick Bosa is the number one force of that defensive line. D Ford across from him uh, helps a lot too. But if Nick Bo- when Nick Bosa went down, the entire D line shut down. I think uh, you know Kinlaw has looked good at uh, from time to time. Carrie uh, Hyder has looked uh, decent on the end, but you know. Kerry Hyder isn't your isn't supposed to be your number two defensive end. He's very good when he comes in in a change of pace role, but you know Armstead hasn't really produced much this year either. It's all because they're missing the Bosa. Hundred percent, and I'll touch upon um, some more of that stuff when we get to some of the midseason stuff for the Niners and who I thought have been standouts and who needs to step up. But we all know Nick Bosa is just a guy you can't replace. And I think that the Niners, they have enough talent to compete. But I think the minute that Nick Bosa went down, you know, their their shot of going back to the Super Bowl was completely shot because Nick Bosa is a game changer. That's that's really the biggest thing on that D-line because right now, there's no one on that D-line that can impact the game like Nick Bosa that could take over a game. The amount of times that Nick Bosa changed the game last year was insane and that's a huge missing element that the Niners are missing but something that kind of came out to me in week one or stood out to me in week one that still to this day I wasn't sure if it was going to be an impact or not I think trading DeForest Buckner was a a bad move and they should have let Armstead go instead yeah I agree it was one year of Armstead over uh, proven years of uh, Buckner and I definitely would have taken Buckner instead. But the way we did it, we also got Kinlaw from it. I mean, if if I look at it now, Buckner would 100% help our line right now. But when they made the trade, it looked like a smart move because you expected to have Bosa and D Ford to drive from the edge. Armstead slotted inside where he dominated last year. And with Kinlaw, it would have been great. But you know what? The injuries have just, it's made it look like a bad move. I, I honestly completely agree with that. I think Javon Kinlaw, DJ Jones, and Eric Armstead would, would have all benefited from Nick Bosa and D Ford being healthy. And that was the thing last year. It just opened the guys inside so much more that now, you know, offensive lines don't have to worry about that impact player being on the edge. So I think that I, I completely agree with that in the off season, it looked like a, a very good move, but now you take away Bosa and a healthy Ford and that just completely changes things on the defensive line, but absolutely. And I think hopefully next year, if, if they're all healthy, it'll be a much different story, but obviously before I wrote up my notes for this episode, my question was, will the injuries be too much to overcome this season? And my original note before the news on Kittle and Garoppolo came out was, yeah, I think the Niners could definitely overcome this and 
be a wild card team. But after hearing about Garoppolo and Kittle, I I just I I, I really don't think it's a playoffs or something that's in the cards. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, there's no shot in my mind that uh, we're making the playoffs this year. We are in the toughest division in the, in the NFL. Uh, we have, I think, one of the toughest, if not the toughest schedule left in the NFL. Yep. And yep. we lost our quarterback in tight end, uh, as well as everyone else that we've lost for the season. And I just don't think we're going to overcome it. But I think, you know, I, I don't think that's, a worst case scenario. I I completely agree with that. And it's crazy that going into Thursday night's game against Green Bay, the Niners are going into this game without Garoppolo, Debo, Kittle, and Raheem Mostert. Wild, wild stuff. And I don't know. I mean, the, the Packers don't have any of their running backs going into this game. So I don't know what is going to happen there, but I, I completely agree. I just... I just can't see it. I mean, before, when you have your starting quarterback, it's a different story. But when you don't, and then you take away your yeah. two top threats in the receiving game, you're starting running back, and just the list goes on. It has just been in a complete disaster. And I think the right word to kind of sum it up is unfortunate. Yeah, it definitely is unfortunate. But if you have to look at a bright side, you know, as, as a fan, and the bright side is if – we do continue to lose, which it looks pretty likely without our quarterback, our tight end, our wide receiver one, all the stuff, all the injuries on defense as well. Uh, It will probably put us in a position where it gives us a high draft pick. Now, normally if you have a high draft pick, it's because your team's really bad in our sense. It's because our team's really injured. So what happens is we'll be able to get an impact player probably from the high pick we get in the draft and we can slot them in, in our already uh, very good team, a Super Bowl uh, con- making team, contending team. And, uh, you know, you add that and make some moves in the off season and all your uh, regulars get healthy. You have a season. I, I completely agree with that. And the way that I look at it is this, the Niners have already had, you know, so many guys go down and, Let's just say Garoppolo and Kittle were both healthy and Debo and most would come back in a few weeks and the Niners go nine and seven or ten and six and make the playoffs. Nick Bosa's not coming back. Like that's the one thing that's not changing, whether you can bank on some of the other guys that are gonna come back. But Nick Bosa was gone for the year, period. So it's not like you were gonna get him back. The way that I look at things is that if the Niners come last in the NFC West, all right, great. We get a last place schedule next year. Give us Atlanta and the Giants on the schedule. We get a healthy team. We get Nick Bosa back. And if everyone stays healthy, we're a championship team again next year. If we keep the core together, which I know John Lynch will. And, you know, I, I, it's, not, it's really not the end of the world that Niner fans are making it out to, to be like right now. Yeah, it, it's the end of the season, in my opinion. I don't oh, think absolutely. our season's – yeah, I don't think our season's going to – go well after this however i think it's uh it's a bit of an advantage you know it kind of happened when we got nick bosa uh you know all the injuries we got nick bosa our team was a super bowl contender look what happens now now all of the injuries happen we get another piece on a rookie deal uh to add to our team with all the talent that we have and you know you're up there contending you're contending with the seattles the green bays the Kansas City's, the Ravens, all of the good teams. You're up there in contention. Oh, 100%. And and I think everyone kind of knows that that the Niners core is still there and people are still, you know, talking about how the Niners haven't performed very well this year and the injuries and all that, but when we were healthy for the most part, we outclassed the Rams in week 6 and then we smacked the Patriots in week 7. So, that's a prime example there of the Niners are still a very good football team. We're just too hurt to compete right now. Yeah, I, a lot of that I give credit to Kyle Shanahan. He is a genius of a coach. And oh, I am I am over the moon that he is ours. Uh, the running game is just absolutely ridiculous. When our line is good, it doesn't matter who's holding the ball. That's that's the way I see it. Or our, our it's right now it's starting at our line and it also goes towards our playmakers. 
you know, I, IU's been awesome all season. Uh, Hasty's looked good. McKinnon uh, looked good at the beginning, but then they were resting him uh, because of his injuries the last two years. But hopefully he can pick it up again. And, you know, I, I think we can win one or two games just based off of uh, Shanahan and his uh, oh, game calling. Absolutely. I mean, I, I give him a huge chunk of credit to that week six win against the Rams to Kyle Shanahan. What he's been able to do has been absolutely unbelievable. But I'll talk more about him in a bit. But let's get to the topic of the last 28 to 48 hours. And Niner fans, for some reason, just can't stop talking about it. Jimmy Garoppolo. The future of Jimmy Garoppolo. And I'll kind of get this started because I've been waiting all day to to talk about this segment because it's just been it's just been annoying hearing Niner fans complain about him has irritated me and I know and I'll and I'll say this Jimmy Garoppolo makes some annoying moves no question he makes some boneheaded throws I get that you know he's I've said this on previous episodes too he's not a savvy quarterback like Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or you know any of those mobile guys but Jimmy Garoppolo gets the job done. I don't understand how a guy has a 24-9 and record, leads a team to a Super Bowl in his first season where he played all 16 games, and for some reason he gets hurt this year, gets a high ankle sprain, which is very tough to play on, and Niner fans want him gone. What's, what's your take here? I'd, I'd love to hear this. Yeah, so... Uh... Listen, Garoppolo, I I've, have a love for Garoppolo. I have a Garoppolo jersey. He's he's a great player. But, you know, he has a – this year we were expecting a big boost in Jimmy Garoppolo because we looked at year two of Matt Ryan with uh, Kyle Shanahan and year two of quarterbacks with Kyle Shanahan. And yeah. they, they've always made this jump. Now, yeah. I know he got injured early on, but yeah. even from the beginning, I couldn't necessarily, like, see a big jump. Now, I love Jimmy Garoppolo. If he is my quarterback next year, I am happy. However, if we decline the team option and potentially get a Matt Ryan, someone who's worked with Shanahan – and, you know, when he has the talent that the Niners have around him, if he plays for us, I think we are even more than Super Bowl contenders. I think we could be Super Bowl favorites. Yeah, and that's that's my only thing about this whole conversation about Garoppolo is if we're going to move on from Garoppolo, I would want someone who is experienced and who has been there before or has proven that they can do it. I think getting rid of Garoppolo to draft a rookie is absurd because we have a championship contending team that is ready to win now. Our championship window was wide open right now. Why would you draft a rookie and then you're waiting around two, three years for him to develop when our championship window is open right now? I completely agree with you. I think if we if we had to move on from Jimmy G next season, Matt Ryan's the top of my list as well. Well, I, I think... I definitely think Matt Ryan's on the top of my list. I think we are going to sign a free agent quarterback if we get rid of Garoppolo. But I don't think we like I think we have a potential to draft a quarterback in this draft. I think it what we could do is because there are three very talented quarterbacks in this draft, two of them which are in a class above the rest. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is the best college prospect at since Andrew Luck, he, he's awesome. Uh, Fields looks great too, but they're going to go one and two. They're going to be gone. We're not going to be the second worst team in the league. I can tell you that. Yeah, but no, I... I think if someone like Trey Lance falls to the Niners and you have him back up a guy like Matt Ryan for one or two seasons, uh, and then he gets to the, the keys to the franchise – I think that could be valuable. Okay, that 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 whole situation that you just said right there, I I would completely agree with that. If we still bring in an experienced quarterback and then you want to draft one to sit behind them because 
yeah, Matt Ryan's up there in age. Like he, it's not like he has a long time. He, at best, if we were to sign him, he has what a good two years or so. Yeah, I would say no problem. Get a young guy, sit behind a guy like Matt Ryan, who's proven he's done very well in this league. I, I would have no issues with doing that. The issue that I would have is drafting a quarterback and then having him start right away. I think would just be too dumb when we have such a great football team that's ready to win now. But I like that idea of bringing one in to sit behind a guy like Matt Ryan. I, I completely agree with that one, though, 100%. Yeah, you know, you get the veteran uh, to win the championship now. And then when the rookie takes over, uh, he's learned from Matt Ryan. And now he gets the chance to take this talent to the championship. And because you have the rookie on a rookie contract, his, he won't cost that much at the start which is what we need when we're going to be signing our big guys like Bosa, like Debo and Fred Warner and all the other guys. Yep. No, hundred, hundred percent. But I think just to kind of finish off on the Jimmy G topic is I, I just, I don't know. I still can never wrap around to me that a guy can have the record that he has do what he's done when he's healthy but it seems as if every time he steps on the field, he's just walking on thin ice. If Jimmy G doesn't perform, everybody's on him. But I do definitely agree with what you were saying before by saying how quarterbacks typically are supposed to improve in year two in Kyle Shanahan's offense. That I absolutely agree. But also, yeah, week one, no, he did not look very good. But before he got hurt in week two, he was looking very good. Mind you, he's facing the Jets, and the Jets suck. So, obviously, whatever. But also, how can you judge just a game and a half? Jimmy Garoppolo usually sucks in week ones, historically, anyways. Yeah, he does. And he usually is a slow starter and picks it up near the end. Uh, I guess the one thing going for Jimmy G is he's a winner. Maybe he's been on these awesome, insane teams, whether it's been the Patriots or the Niners. Uh, he started off his Niner career 7-0 and with a Niner team yeah. that was not good. It, yeah, it was no. a terrible Garbage. Niner team. So yeah. he is a winner. Whether his stats show it or not, he's a winner. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I 100% agree. And I think that's the one thing that has proven. And I think if Garoppolo returns next year, I think that's a massive reason why. Is because Kyle Shanahan knows it. Jimmy Garoppolo has, in a way... I'm not taking anything away from the job that Kyle Shanahan done because it seems like every year he has become a head coach since year one, he has gotten so much better. But his his play calling has never changed. His play calling has always been excellent every year. But Kyle Shanahan well knows without Jimmy Garoppolo, there's a chance he could have been fired by now. Yeah, totally. I mean, he won't get fired this year because look at the injuries and obviously looking at last year. Um, I think, I think Kyle Shanahan's coach for years to come. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch aren't leaving for the next while at all. Uh, I, I think I, I really like Garoppolo, but I just, I don't see him coming back and I don't think Shanahan sees him coming back. I mean, Shanahan said today, Oh, Garoppolo's our quarterback and all this stuff. And You know, he's out four to six weeks, but, uh, you know, if he needs surgery, he's out for the year. If he needs surgery and he's out for the year and he may not be fully healthy next year, you have to cut the contract and you have to get another quarterback. Yeah, no, that's 100%. And, you know, I heard a rumor today, too, that the Niners played him too early, that he was supposed to sit out for four weeks and instead Shanahan brought him back for two games instead. And. I, I mean, it's such a weird situation. And to be quite honest with you, Kyle Shanahan never wanted Garoppolo in the first place. So do you think Kyle Shanahan would not take the option to get one of his guys? I would probably say Jimmy Garoppolo is more of John Lynch's guy opposed to Kyle Shanahan's guy. Yeah, it, it definitely seems that way. Shanahan was really looking for Kirk Cousins uh, in free agency. You know, Matt Ryan's another guy that we talked about because he worked with Shanahan. I think that would be a good fit. But either one of those guys, I think, are the leading candidates to be the Niners quarterback next season. I think Shanahan will go to Lynch and say, we tried your guy. He has helped us. We made a Super Bowl. 
but I think it's time we uh, get someone better. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. I mean, I personally do not like Kirk Cousins. I don't think he has proved much in his time and especially what he's done with Minnesota. Last year was very impressive in that one game against the Saints, but other than that, he, he hasn't done much. And I don't think that he would do enough to help us win a Super Bowl, but anyone else, you know, I wouldn't mind. It really depends. Yeah, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of Cousins either, but any quarterback who Shanahan has in like installed his system in and enjoys that quarterback in the system, I'm okay with it. Because if it opens up the playbook even more because of the years that Cousins and Shanahan have been together, then I'm all for it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I I still think to this day that, man, if John Lynch just drafted either Christian McCaffrey or Deshaun Watson back in 2017 instead of Solomon Thomas, goodness gracious me. Yeah, yeah, that's a bummer. But you know what? It it looked good at the time. Everyone said we were going to take Solly Thomas, and we traded back a pick in order to get him. That way we didn't take Trubisky. But you know what? Mistakes were made. Yeah, no, 100%. And you know what? It's not like it has hurt the Niners too much long-term anyways. But anyways, let's kind of you know move on here to some, some of the Niners midseason standouts here. And I'll kind of go ahead here and list mine. So I have my MVP on offense and defense, my breakout players on offense and defense, and then which player I think needs to step up. And I'll start with my MVPs. If I had to give it to a player, I'm giving it to Raheem Mostert because I think he's just been on fires since the time that he's actually been on the field. I love that he has worked on becoming a better pass catcher as well. That was very evident in the first two weeks, but obviously injuries, you know, have hurt him so much. And the reason why I'm actually going to give my offensive MVP to Kyle Shanahan is because there's been so many injuries that no one has consistently been on the field for all eight games. But what Kyle Shanahan has done, which we already mentioned, has been unbelievable what he's done with whoever the heck is on the field on offense. That is absolutely hilarious because I was going to pick Shanahan as MVP of the offense too. But (laughs) uh, now that you picked him. Well, there we go. That's fine. We both have the same MVP on offense, but. For defense, I wouldn't be surprised if we have the same MVP for defense as well. And again, everyone has been injured on defense. And who's the one constant that it feels like every single time I watch a 49er game, the the announcer is talking about number 54, Fred Warner. He has been the only constant. In fact, I would probably say Fred Warner has been the MVP of the, of the entire team so far this season. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. It's obviously Fred Warner. He's a... Uh in contention for defensive player of the year. Uh, I don't think he's leading in that, but he's, he's the heart of this defense. He makes everything work without Bosa, without Sherman, uh, and without all the other players. He's the one staple that's been there the entire time and has kind of led this team. 100%. He, he's really reminding me of, I wouldn't say he's quite there yet, but he's getting there to Patrick Willis level, but he's definitely on his way to that. But, I mean, Fred Warner's proving to be that he's going to be a Niner for a very long time. But some of my breakout players so far, before he got hurt, Jordan Reed was on fire. Hopefully we get him back on Thursday. Brandon Ayuk has been an unbelievable surprise. And Jeff Wilson, before he got hurt. And then on defense, I got Jason Verrett and Kerry Hyder, who have both been very good so far. So who you got for breakout players or if you had a different MVP as well, you can go ahead with that. Yeah. On offense, Brandon Ayuk was definitely uh, my pick. He he's been doing everything that Debo did last year in the same steps. He was a, sure. a, a bit slow week one and two. And then he's, he's just continued to uh, pick it up. And now that, uh, you know, Debo's out and Kittle's out, he is the number one guy and he will be looked at more often. And uh, Shanahan was right with uh, thinking that Ayuk was going to be one of the best wide receivers in this draft because he's looking like one of them. 100%. I 100% agree. Brandon Ayuk, I could clearly see what Kyle Shanahan saw in him. He is the perfect Kyle Shanahan kind of player. And 
just looking back to week six and seven, when Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle are on the football field at the same time, that is scary, man. Yeah. That is a scary offense. And when you put Raheem back there or Jeff Wilson or whoever the heck's back there with Kyle Juszczyk, that's a very scary offense when this offense is healthy. And then you add Jordan Reed into the mix too. That's a very scary offense. And it's very unfortunate that what happened to Garoppolo and Kittle because with these guys coming back in the next two weeks, this is when I was saying this is when we're going to hit our stride and we could have ran the table the rest of the schedule. But obviously that's not meant to be, which is just so tough and unfortunate. But, oh, man, what are you going to do? But Jason Verrett, man, I mean, you got to say that this guy has been fantastic on defense. Oh, yeah. Verrett's been awesome. You know, losing Sherman was such a big loss that when Verrett no, I- came back, and uh, was the, playing the way he played before all of his injuries. It was just such a needed addition uh, to the team. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Even, when, even when Richard Sherman at some point comes back, I mean, good Lord. Yeah, it, it will be great. You know, you have Sherman on one side, Verrett on the other. Uh, you know, Mosley can uh, sub in here and there because he's proven to do uh, well as well. And uh, it, our secondary is not half bad. You know, when Tart's back and Ward is now back, our secondary is pretty good. But uh, right now, it's still Um, a bit shaky. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, obviously, last week was a disaster. I mean, no one could cover DK Metcalf Mm -hmm. for the love of them. DK's playing on fire anyways. But, I mean, even going back to Week 7 against the Pats, Tarverius Moore and Marcel Harris played very well as well. But... But, you know, it, it's fine. I mean, I do think our secondary is a lot better than what it was in the past, for sure. Yeah, but now looking at uh, the other breakout on D, Kerry Hyder, man, he's been yeah. awesome. I, I've I've really loved has. watching him. He's been filling in uh, very well. And I think, uh, you know, he's earned himself a role on this team, even when the big boys come back. I 100% agree with that. He's done a great job. And especially when Ronald Blair comes back, that would be a much-needed impact player for this defense as well but Kerry Hyder's done a fantastic job so far as well but I think you know we surely kind of touched upon it but not a lot and I didn't really talk a lot about it when you mentioned him because I was waiting for to get to this point but if there's one guy who I've been very disappointed with so far this season it's Eric Armstead and I know we already talked about the fact that without Nick Bosa and D Ford his production has gone down drastically but not even just him but the other guys too and we talked about the Bosa effect and all that. But even that, Eric Armstead, you know, you're elected a captain. You got paid a huge contract, and he's done literally nothing this season. It's been it's been kind of disappointing. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. Uh, I mean, Armstead got paid this big contract. You're trying to say, okay, show us what you can do. Show us the same thing you showed us last year. Uh, but, I mean, when Armstead's the only uh, – when Armstead's the only guy on our defense that uh, offensive line has to worry about, they can just uh, put send two blockers that way, and he's uh, neutralized. I mean, it, it gives opportunity to guys like Kerry Hyder, DJ Jones, and Kinlaw. But because of that, Armstead's uh, you know not he's neutralized. He can't really do much. Uh, I think again, as I said, if Bosa and Ford or just Bosa was back it would be different. Eric Armstead would be getting through. I think Eric Armstead's very good, but not as this uh, number one player. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. And, you know, it's been, it's been, it was even tough just making this list, knowing with all the injuries this season that it's like, okay, who, who have been the constants that have been there? And it's like, there were such a small amount because everyone has been hurt at some point in time. I mean, it's just been a and a whirlwind, a roller coaster kind of season for this football team. But I mean, we know there's not much to look forward to in the second half of the season. I think, you know, we'll see what we have in Nick Mullins. We'll we'll see if they can string together a few wins here and there. But I mean, we we all kind of know the fate of this season. I think the dagger was kind of struck to the Niners' heart yesterday when the Kittle and Garoppolo news came out. But I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, this this is not going to be the same team next season, but maybe it will, maybe it won't. We don't know, but I mean, who knows? It's, it's just been a wild year, but so let's move on to some NFL midseason awards for the rest of the league. We'll go over MVP candidates, coach of the year, 
offensive player of the year, rookie of the year, and all that. So I'll kind of start with the MVP candidates. I've got the obvious ones. Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, and Aaron Rodgers, all three to me have been playing at a ridiculously high level. If I had to pick one out of the three, I'd go with Russell Wilson. Who you got? Yeah, I'm going to go with Wilson as well. I think his play has been absolutely phenomenal, you know, carrying his defense and in the toughest division in football. It's just the story is right there, and that's what the MVP is for. It's for that great story, the most valuable player to his team, and I think that's 100% Russell Wilson. Now, I did have a different candidate than you. I, I like Brady. I think Brady's definitely in the conversation, but I'm looking at Kyler Murray. He has been unstoppable for the Cardinals. Yeah, I, I had him for Offensive Player of the Year, but not MVP candidate. I thought it was a little off of that, but I mean, I, I certainly don't blame you. Kyler Murray is playing at a very high level, and I think you got to give a lot of props to the Cardinals GM for getting DeAndre Hopkins because that's had a huge, you know, that's given Kyler Murray a really big lift in his production. But, you know, I, I definitely don't disagree with that. Yeah, I don't think he's going to win. I think Wilson's going to win it, uh, but I think he could receive a decent amount or like a vote or two. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. And you're definitely right about Russell Wilson. I think that there's no one else who really fits the definition of most valuable player to your football team because the Seahawks are nothing without number three. Like, they're they're actually nothing. Their defense is completely garbage. I mean, they have a lot of stars, but their stats have been horrid this season. Russell Wilson's been doing everything for the last, not even just this year, the last, like, maybe since the Legion of Boom was done, since then, Russell Wilson has carried this team to the playoffs almost every year. It's remarkable what he's been able to do, but I, I certainly would give him MVP candidates there. Um, Let's go to Coach of the Year. I've got a pretty easy one, and that's Mike Tomlin. Some of my other candidates, I would say Mike Vrabel, Cliff Kingsbury, Kyle Shanahan, Kevin Stefanski of the Cleveland Browns. Who you got? Up. Uh- uh, yeah, I, I gotta agree. Mike Tomlin's definitely gonna be up there with that insane seven and zero start. Um, I, I look at Miami and I look at what uh, Brian Flores has done, oh, yeah. and I, I, I just, I really like Brian Flores. I've been a fan of him since day one. He's gone to Miami, and you know, they're four and three. If they get into a playoff position, I think he's definitely got a chance to win. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I definitely like that, and. I think that when the Dolphins kicked the Niners' ass a few weeks ago, we were all saying, what the heck? Like, really? The Dolphins? But after what they did to the Rams on Sunday, I think now it's like, maybe the Dolphins are just that good. Like, maybe it's it's not like, oh, it's the Dolphins. Like, no, maybe they're actually not that bad. Yeah, and you know what? Tua looked all right in his first start. Uh, would I have started yeah. Tua? No, but that's just uh, my personal opinion. <laughs> No, I completely agree with you. I think Fitzpatrick was playing at a very high level. I would have not started to And Yeah, sure, he had an okay game on Sunday, but it was nothing that, you know, amazing or, you know what I mean? Yeah, it wasn't anything yeah. eye-catching, but, yeah, you know, it, it, it is. Yeah, it just happened. They won. Exactly. As long as you win, that's yeah, all that they, matters. And they beat a very good team in the Rams, so... I mean, we'll give him that, but I, I definitely like that bluff, that uh, Brian Flores pick. That's a good one for sure. Um, defensive player of the year, I have either Aaron Donald or Miles Garrett, and I think, honestly, Fred Warner's in the conversation too. I don't know if he'll win, but he's been playing like it. Who you got? Yeah, it's Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald uh, should win MVP if uh, that if he was considered uh, valuable, but, you know, quarterbacks are always going to be more valuable than any other player when looking at MVP. But Aaron Donald is the best defensive player in the league by a huge margin. Like It's it's not even close, oh, yeah. in my opinion. Aaron Donald's definitely going to win. Miles Garrett's a freak of nature, but he's a defensive end. Aaron Donald's getting nine sacks yeah. as a tackle. He's getting double teams yeah. almost every time. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, honestly, 100%. Aaron Donald's been like that for the last handful of years, for sure. And I'm just going to give a shout out to the Niners offensive line for what they did in week six. That was absolutely oh, yeah, that was beautiful. They were able to silence Aaron Donald in that game when Garoppolo was out there playing with an ankle injury. That was an absolutely fantastic job by Ben Garland and Daniel Brunska, who aren't even the top two best players on that offensive line. They were phenomenal in that game. But I totally agree with Aaron Donald. Um, offensive player of the year. 
I like Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, and Josh Allen. What do you think? Yeah, I was going Dalvin Cook, uh, Kyler Murray, and Derrick Henry. Um, I, I think Kyler, you know, he has seven rushing touchdowns, and he is he's also up there in uh, passing touchdowns. He He's doing it all for that team. Uh, I think as, as offensively, he's definitely uh, my pick. But Cook's a close second. Cook popped off last week. I had him in fantasy. Four touchdowns, over 200 total yards. It, it was awesome to watch. 100%. All right, so for rookie of the year, offense and defense, pick one who you got for either one. Okay. For offense, it's between two people, in uh, my opinion, Herbert and Burrow. Uh, I, I, I am so dumb. I didn't even put Justin Herbert in that. Jeez. I had Burrow, Edwards, Hilaire, and Justin Jefferson, and I completely forgot Justin Herbert. He has been one of the most funnest young guys to watch this season, so that's an L on my part. <laughs> Anyways, continue with that. Yeah, yeah, it, it's tough looking at those two. Uh, I think Herbert's been awesome with the Chargers, but, you know, he, really he has hasn't won too many fun. games. Same with Burrow. Burrow's thrown for over 400 yards in a game. He's absolutely yeah. ridiculous. He's third in the league in passing yards. Uh, yeah. Burrow's my pick for offensive player of the year. Yeah, that's, it's hard to disagree with. And you know what? Joe Burrow did get that signature win over Tennessee on Sunday too, so I'll give him that. But yeah, Burrow and Herbert have been balling out. Um, defensive Rookie of the Year, I had Isaiah Simmons of the Cardinals, Patrick Queen, or even Antoine Winfield. But all of them, I wouldn't say have, haven't done anything crazy, but they've been pretty decent at times. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, Winfield's been a nice, uh, solid addition to that Tampa Bay defense, and yeah. uh, he's looked great. But Patrick Queen, every time I'm watching a Ravens game, he, he's made a play. He, he's a showstopper, and as a middle linebacker in your rookie season, to, to make these plays, I, I think he, uh, he may deserve it. Yeah, 100%. All right, moving on to the last segment here, doing contenders or pretenders in the AFC and NFC. A little jam for time here, so we'll kind of just quickly go over each one. So the Bills at 6-2, and two, obviously, I think a lot of people have them as a contender, I just put them in this debate because they did lose to the Chiefs and I believe it was Tennessee they got blown out as well, who are two of the top contenders. So the Bills have beaten the teams they've supposed to beat, but they haven't beaten anyone, you know, that's a true contender, but they have a shot against Seattle this Sunday. What do you think? Contender or pretender? I think the Bills are contenders. You know, Josh Allen has Stephon Diggs this year and he's shown that it is important helped him so much uh you know the bills d hasn't been the same bills d as it was last year but you know what they always have the second half to you know get back to their old selves and they're definitely contenders 100 percent. they got a whole other half i mean they beat new england on sunday and i think bills fans could not feel happier to get that done and buffalo's in prime position they just can't aff afford to slip up because miami's sitting right behind there but I think the Bills just need that one signature win against a tough team. I'm not sure what other contenders they play. I know they have Seattle on Sunday. I know they have Pittsburgh later on in the year. But if Buffalo can win one of those games, that will definitely open some eyes to a lot of people. But speaking of those Dolphins, which we already talked about them, you think this year they could push a wild card or they're still a year away? I think they're still a year away. I mean, especially after putting Tua in. Uh, I think there'll be a close, they may be the one below the wild card team, but they could slip in at maybe seven and eight, eight and seven uh, in the seventh spot. But uh, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year. Yeah, no, I agree. I think they'll be right in there in the, in the hunt later in the season for sure. But I still definitely think they're definitely a year away, but they're definitely on the right track from where they were a year ago. Um, the Cleveland Browns sitting at five and three, they have looked really good at times and really Cleveland Browns like at times what do you think no OBJ but do you think they still have a shot it's so hard with the Browns because they look so good against bad teams but they look so bad about against a team with just a bit of talent it's it's just yeah. so hard to predict them uh good for Kevin Stefanski for having a winning record in Cleveland but oh I, there's no way I see them you know, like they may make the playoffs but there's no way they're going to go past the first round, in my opinion. 
Oh, no, God, no. I mean, if they get the seven seed, they're going to have to go to either, what, KC, Tennessee, or Pittsburgh. And, yeah, they're probably going to lose. I mean, they got absolutely smoked by the Steelers a few weeks ago. So I, I do agree with that. I think the Browns are on the right track. But, again, need to win that signature game to really take them over the top. And I think Baker Mayfield needs that game a lot more than Kevin Stefanski. It's his first time as a coach, and he's done a really good job, especially as the head coach of the Browns, which no coach has been able to do for like the last two decades. So I'll give him that, but the Browns are still, they're close, but they're not there yet. Indianapolis sits at five and two coming off a big win against Detroit. What do you think about the Colts? I I think they can contend. I really like the Colts D. I think they're a special group. Um, You know, they do have a really tough schedule coming up though. So if they can get, uh, if they can split that tough schedule, I think they have a chance. But if not, they'll they'll be close. They'll be in the hunt, definitely. Yeah, I agree. I think the Colts have a pretty decent shot at getting a wild card. I think Phillip Rivers is going to get hot. Hopefully they can win a few of these games. But they're going to need this defense to step up. And they've shown that they can at times. But they're going to need to do it a little more than usual in these next few games with this big stretch coming up. But I think the Colts will be there. I know they play Tennessee twice in three weeks coming up. So that will be something to watch there for sure. The last AFC team, John Gruden and the Vegas Raiders sit at 4-3. and three. They've been so weird. They beat the Chiefs and the Saints, but then they've lost to the Bucks and the Bills and haven't looked that good. What do you think about the Raiders? Uh, it's so hard with the Raiders. Their offense uh- looks awesome to me, but their defense is just so shaky and questionable that I, I don't think they're uh, going to contend. But – Every week, you never know if that offense is just going to put up points on you. Derek Carr has looked good. Darren Waller has looked good. Uh, Nelson Aguilar has looked good. Uh, And Josh Jacobs hasn't looked that good, but, you know, he's still Josh Jacobs. Yeah. So I. I, Renfro. Yeah, Renfro's looked good. They have weapons and they're using their weapons. It's just their defense needs to pick it up. Oh, I agree. 100%. The Raiders are just, they're such a weird team. They look really good at times. And then they just look really trash at times. And I, I don't know. The Raiders, again, are going to be one of those teams that will be there in the hunt later on. But we'll, we'll see what happens. That that seven seed is going to be interesting to see who gets in for the AFC. So well, I got four teams in the NFC. And we'll start with the Rams at five and three. Again, have looked really good at times and haven't looked good at times. The only, Their record looks good. But four out of those five wins have been against the NFC East, which is not much of an accomplishment. What do you think about the Rams? Yeah, the Rams are another questionable team. Um, I think they'll look good, but in the NFC, which is a tougher division than the AFC, uh, it's going to be hard to make it when you have to face the Cardinals twice, the Seahawks twice, and the Niners you already faced and lost to. Uh, And you have to face them one more time. So... I don't know if they can do it. I th- I think the Cardinals are better than the Rams. Oh, I, I 100% agree. And the Rams still have to play Seattle and Arizona both times. The only team that they faced was the Niners, and they lost that game, of course. That was against a Niners team that was the healthiest they've been all year. And the next time they face the Niners, they'll look completely different. But, yeah, the Rams have a very tough schedule as well. So we'll see what happens with Sean McVay and the Rams. But I have a feeling they might sneak in as the seven seed there. Speaking of those Cardinals, five and two, I really like what I've seen out of the Cardinals. And I think that win against Seattle was that signature win for Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. Yeah, I said going into the year, the Cardinals were my wild card team. I really like the Cardinals. Kyler Murray has taken such a big step in year two, and he's done so well in Cliff Kingsbury's offense. The only thing I don't like about the Cardinals when they play is they always start off slow. Kyler Murray never yeah. gets going right away, but if he can get going right away, there's no stopping the Cardinals. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. The Cardinals are scary, and I'd love to see Arizona against, like, Tampa or Seattle or Green Bay in the first round. That would, that be, would be fun. pretty insane. I, I, I think the Cardinals are, are, the, are the playoff team or the wildcard playoff team you don't want to face, but who – I mean, sitting here saying a wild card, they're one game up on Seattle. They could end up winning the whole division, but we'll see what happens going down the stretch. 
The Saints are five and two, coming off of a win against Chicago. What do you think about the Saints? The, the, you can never count out the Saints. This is Drew Brees. You're talking about Alvin Kamara. They're about to get Thomas back. The the Saints, you can never count out. I think uh, they'll be in the playoff spot for sure. I completely agree. You can never count out the Saints, and once they get Michael Thomas back. I know they'll be there at the end. They got a huge one against the Bucs on Sunday night. All right, the last one here, the Chicago Bears at 5-3. and three, Starting to look a little more like the Bears that we thought they were after that hot 5-1 and one start. Yeah, I never uh, believed the Bears were doing well. I never bought into that. Their defense is amazing. Don't get me wrong. I love their defense. Their offense isn't good. <laughs> Nick Foles is a backup quarterback at best. So is Mitchell Trubisky. I prefer Nick Foles over... Mitchell Trubisky, but that's not going to win you games. You need a quarterback that can win you games. Your defense is awesome, don't get me wrong, but once you get that quarterback, you're going to win games against contenders. 100%. I definitely agree with that. The Bears, are, I, I don't know. I've never believed in them since the beginning. The 5-1 and one start shocked me, but I think now they're starting to crumble a little bit, and it sucks because now the Niners are out of it, but when they were healthy, I was like, oh, perfect. The Bears are struggling. Niners can slide into that wild card spot, but oh, well, don't have to worry about that now. But I mean, it looks like the Cardinals and Rams are probably going to get in, and then either the Saints and Bucks, the loser of that, is going to get in there too. So, you know, it seems like the NFC has a, a little more clarity than the AFC. Yeah, I, I agree with that, but... I think the NFC is going to come out tougher than the AFC. I agree. I mean, you got Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray. It's it's going to be ridiculous. It's going to be insane. But we have a whole other half of the season to go. That is a wrap for the midseason recap of the 49er Way podcast. Thank you so much, Zach, for being on this episode. We will most definitely have you again on here. Got any final thoughts? I just wanted to say thank you for having me. Absolutely love talking football, especially the Niners. Uh, Let's hope that the Niners, you know, get a good draft position. (laughs) Oh, 100%. I mean, it really sucks when this is the quote-unquote revenge tour and we're sitting here in week nine saying, oh, yeah, I hope we get a nice draft pick. (laughs) But uh, you know what? It's... You know, things happen. 2020 has been a joke all around for everyone. So, you know, it is what it is. Anyways, thanks a lot, Zach. That is it for this week's episode of the 49er Way podcast. Don't forget to give the 49er Way a follow on Instagram 